Hey everyone, it's Natalie in the future. This episode was originally meant to be a one-shot. You'll hear me reference that a couple times throughout the episode. The truth is, there was a lot to cover, and we got distracted having fun role-playing with each other and establishing things about our characters post-time skip. So this session wound up being six hours. You know, just CTRPG things. Anyway, we've split this story into two episodes to make it more digestible and easier for new folks to pick up. Hi, new listeners. It's nice to see you. This first half is still a great showcase of what episodes of the Storyteller Squad are like. There's some action, some cute romance, goofs and jokes, cozy slice-of-life moments, and monsters of the friendly and not-so-friendly variety. So get comfy and enjoy as we leap back into our Monster of the Week campaign and join the heroes from Autumn Falls for another adventure. The world is full of wonders. Magic is waiting in small moments. And monsters might be watching, just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them... Adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the Storyteller Squad. Thanks for joining us. If you're brand new, welcome. We're an actual play podcast, and for our current story, we're playing Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. We've intentionally produced this episode so that it can serve as an introductory episode to our series, even though it canonically continues the story from our first and second seasons. We've made two recap episodes which summarize the story of those seasons if you prefer to pause this episode and listen to those first. Or you can stick with us here to get a taste of what our individual episodes are like. We're trying to offer plenty of different options for getting to know us and the adventures that our characters are a part of. So, with that bit of preamble out of the way, let's have an adventure. The world is full of wonders. And now, everyone knows. On the coastline beaches of Atlantic City, New Jersey, the veil between the magical and mundane worlds was torn asunder, violently, publicly, and irreparably, when the demon-spawn hordes from the place apart began their final gambit, attempting to steal a fragment of divine spark and deliver it to their masters, the demon lords. Thanks to the efforts of our brave heroes and several others who arrived in time to help, this attempt by the demons was thwarted and the instigation of another celestial war averted. It has been a little over a year since this grand battle took place. World governments, historians, and the general public have begun to refer to the events of that day and those that followed closely after as the Revelation. For indeed, with the existence of supernatural phenomena going public, the world has been forever changed. We pick up closer to where our story first began, in the Pacific Northwest. We return to Portland, Oregon, a city which not only hosts a particularly large population of supernatural individuals, but also the headquarters and home office of the nation's special division for paranormal research and defense, the Eastie Agency. As we travel through the busy, bustling streets of Portland, we eventually come upon a dilapidated looking old house, which has been cordoned off by yellow caution tape and several large dark vehicles forming a perimeter, 
which all bear the official Eastie Agency crest. A small crowd has gathered, and a handful of local news crews press towards the barricade, hoping to capture some footage of whatever supernatural phenomena has prompted the Eastie Agency to send out a team to investigate. Our camera moves past the agents attempting to hold the crowd back and into the house, where we see a frightened pair of young women struggling while suspended in what looks like pitch black spider silk. But it's quickly apparent that what these two are actually tangled up in is an unsettling web-like mass of hair. Descending from the ceiling, hanging suspended by its scalp and the many sections of hair which extend off in all directions, is a pale and ghastly humanoid form with stretched and unnaturally elongated anatomy. When this creature approaches the two restrained women, a bright flash of white can be seen as this being grins, revealing wicked, jagged teeth. The Hair Witch extends a hand forward towards one of its potential victims, and then... A silver flash streaks through the darkened interior of this home, almost as though one of the shafts of street lamp light shining through boarded up windows had come to life to defend these unlucky captives. The silver bolt severs a twisted cord of hair, and one suspended person drops to the ground. The Hair Witch turns her attention to the direction of this flash's origin. And at the top of the stairs in this large foyer, standing on the balcony handrail, is a small furry creature with rabbit ears and a set of pointed antlers. Wearing a smooth wooden mask with large dark eye sockets, they stand on hind legs in an archer's pose, using a silver string wrapped around one of their antlers and held taut by their deer-hoofed rabbit foot. They begin drawing a second porcupine quill from their back and knocking it with a magically dexterous raccoon paw. Wendy, our friend the jackalope spirit, is on the scene, and walking up to them on the edge of this balcony, Brittany, could you describe Raven's look for season three and what she does next? Raven is one of the agency's newest recruits and a rising star amongst their field agents since the existence of the magical world went public. Raven is what you might call a techwear goth with a splash of e-girl. She's a woman in her late 20s with jet black hair and a stripe of blonde in her pointed bangs. Her clothes are all black and dark purples, but include entirely too many straps and pouches. I love her. <laughs> from these pouches, she draws cards from her tarot deck, which she uses as a spellcasting focus to summon magical animal spirits, like Wendy, her familiar. She quickly makes note of the situation, and while someone less familiar with supernatural phenomena might flinch, she simply prepares to engage because Raven is the searcher. Raven draws two cards from her deck, the Fire Ferret Spirit and the Raccoon Spirit, and combines their magic together when she summons them. These two spirits appear in silver flashes of light from the cards. One, a glowing red stoat with sparks bristling off their fur, and the other, this ghostly silver raccoon with shining points of light at the tips of its paws. They both glow and surround Raven, and with one final flash of magical light, we see jets of flame burst from Raven's shoulders, ankles, and hands, allowing her to hover in the air. And also on her hands are now a pair of dark gloves adorned with razor-sharp claws. Time to be fast and sharp. Raven leaps off the balcony railing, using the flame jets to fly down and avoid any hair that this monster tries to attack her with. She's performing aerial martial arts. Anytime a tendril of hair comes at her, she uses the flames as an extension of herself and chops through them or deflects the attack with a quick burst of fire to incinerate the hair altogether. 
She shoots towards the second victim and cuts them down with a spinning fire kick and jets to the ground fast enough to catch them before turning to face the witch again. The hair witch, her focus locked on you now, rushes at the group of you, her many tendrils of hair suspending her aloft in the air and long, bony, clawed hands reach towards you. There is a crash of old wooden splinters and dusty chunks of plaster as a figure bursts through one of the walls and strikes the witch with a glowing fist, interrupting her attack. Our camera slows down again, allowing us to observe the figure who has just taken advantage of the opening distraction you set up. And now I get to describe my character in the story. Aiden Brightwood is a paradoxical mixture of Shy Girl Next Door and hardened battle lesbian. <laughs> she has brown hair in what Pinterest has told me is a layered wolf cut. She's wearing a dark maroon jacket and under that a tactical athletic jumpsuit, like what spies and superheroes wear. On her back, keeping her in the air, are a pair of bright, shining wings that appear to be made entirely of light, and her eyes glow with a warm amber color. Because Aiden is the divine. Woo! The hair witch goes sailing across the room and impacts with the doorframe of the adjoining hallway with a sickening crunch. Aiden drops next to the three of you, creating a protective shield with her wings that deflect several tendrils of hair as they lance forward trying to find purchase. She rests a hand on Raven's shoulder and says, So your plan's been working so far, but I think we've reached the part where you just wrote down we kill it as a team and underlined that a bunch. Were there specifics that I missed or? Nope, that's still the plan. You're doing perfect. Okay, lead the way. And she will pull you up to your feet and give you a quick kiss before you two square up. Ugh, they're so fucking cute. <laughs> These two are the autumnal lesbians we promised you. These two are so gay for each other, it hurts. <laughs> we see the form of the hair witch lifting again, and large serpents of her tresses begin to attack Raven and Aiden. But our camera continues to rise, back up onto the balcony level. We see a door smashed off its hinges and someone emerging through the dusty cloud that's been kicked up. Durs, could you please describe Damien's season three look and what he's doing? You see his eyes first. Similar amber irises to Aiden's, but surrounded by jet black sclera. Damien has been recently resurrected as a human after his previous life as a demon spawn slime. The transition has been rocky to say the least. The Eastie Agency's newest field agent doesn't look like much of a company man at first. He's wearing a leather jacket, which is covered in patches, pins, and metal studs, and has had the sleeves torn off. <laughs> the dust clears just enough to reveal a manic grin, and then you hear a clink as a modded welding mask slides down into place with a green smiley face spray painted onto the visor. Oh no. Then you hear the of a chainsaw. In fact, it's two chainsaws, one in each hand, as Damien Edgecrest lets out a battle cry, hyping himself up as he leaps into the fray. Yeah, I don't have a clever way of dropping in his playbook here, since it's the Hex, and that's more spellcasty, and this is a battle. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he's the Hex, and he'll figure out how to be an effective monster hunter real soon. Aw. We're all rooting for you, Damien. He's doing his best. Very nice. Yeah, so you can jump into action against the Hair Witch. What's it look like? So the Hair Witch has been throwing attacks at his two friends. So Damien leaps from the balcony and comes in chopping at the large strands that are gathered together and slicing at them with the chainsaws to try and protect Raven and Aiden. 
Nice. Yeah, I like that. You slash at the hair that has been stabbing and grasping at your friends and manage to cut a bunch of it apart. More tendrils rush at you, but the sheer amount of metal bits on your vest act like makeshift armor, and that's enough to protect you from the few you don't manage to intercept with a chainsaw blade. At one point, some hair gets jammed up in the moving chain of your saw, and the witch starts to reel you in towards her. She mimes a tugging motion with her hands, but the hair responds even though she isn't touching it directly. And you are struggling against this, but don't seem to be winning the contest as you're pulled towards the large gathering mass of hair at the center of the room. Uh, guys, a uh, little help? Emery, could you describe Whitaker and what he's doing in this moment for us? I told you those weren't agency-sanctioned weapons, Edgecrest. Now do you see why? Yeah, so stepping onto the scene, we have Agent Lonnie Whitaker, still the professional. He's a broad-shouldered old Brit with a face full of wrinkles and scars. He's got gray eyes, gray hair, a single steel earring hanging on for dear life to a mangled left ear. There's armor plating, knives, and buckles strapped to his body, and a big old sword strapped to his back. And the whole vibe is very weathered and anachronistic. Perhaps appropriately, the grizzled appearance is deceiving. Among the many scars, Lonnie's rocking a bite mark from an old vampire fling that drained him of several decades of his life. He doesn't look it and rarely feels it, but he's only just entered his 30s. Top marks for enthusiasm, but he's still got a lot to learn. Uh, he goes in, sword unsheathed and ready to cut Damien out of the hair. I am going to protect Agent Edgecrest in this scenario. Okay, so as you bring the sword down, the runes on your sword light up with a blue flash and the hairs are quickly severed. The ends that the sword slices through are singed and smoking a bit. You free Damien, and now the four of you are gathered, our four Eastie agents facing down this monstrous witch for one final assault as she shrieks and rushes at your group. Crawling along the ground on all fours, her hair lurching forward in these dark waves. Brightwood, any more bystanders in the area? Everyone's out except these two. We need to get them clear so we can engage with this thing. Clear a space for me. I want to cut loose. Natalie, you said the windows in this place were boarded up, right? Yeah, this place was a condemned old house before this witch took up residence here. Y'all are basically responding to a group of amateur ghost hunters who got in way over their heads and luckily had the chance to make an emergency call that your team got dispatched over. Okay, so can Wendy use one of their wind arrow quills to blow the boards off of one of the bigger windows and give Aiden a sightline outside so she can get the victims out of here? Sure, yeah, that's good teamwork. So Wendy, taking direction from you, Raven, draws and fires another of their quills, which becomes this swirling burst of wind that tears open one of the larger windows. Aiden takes the hands of the two young women who are still a little bound up in the hair, and her wings start to glow extra brightly. Thanks, I'll be back in a flash. And there is a bright flash of light as she teleports herself and the victims outside to the agency triage tent. But with your familiar helping your girlfriend, you are less protected yourself. And so one of the witch's tendrils snakes its way closer and wraps around your ankle, Raven, suddenly jerking you into the air by your leg. Oh no. Um, I want to use the fire still coming off my ankles to burn through the hair and get free again. Mm. Nothing like the smell of burning hair in the morning. Oh, yeah, it already smells so bad in here from the stuff she burned earlier. Mmm, okay. You are able to free yourself by burning through the hair with your flaming jets. Whitaker and Damien, what are you doing to fight back? You see some of Whitaker's knives get launched towards the hair witch, uh, but it's because Damien has borrowed a couple. <laughs> Would it kill you to ask before taking my things? 
Old habits die hard, buddy. When I'm stressed, I default to what works best for me. Oh, watch your left. Yes. Got it. <laughs> so the knives sever some of the strands as they whip at your group, and one catches the witch's hand, pinning it to the ground. So the witch is now sort of scrambling and reaching out towards you in a very feral manner, but she is restrained for now. Whitaker, what do you do to follow up? Whitaker's going to look around at the writhing labyrinth of hair, and he's going to plunge the sword into a tendril, kind of at random. But instead of cutting it, he's going to twist the blade, sort of wrapping and tangling and effectively immobilizing this lock of hair while also pulling himself closer to the roots. When he's finally within an arm's reach of the witch, he'll twist the blade again, slicing through this tangle and then whipping the sword around to get as much hair destroyed as he can in one go. Mmm, yes! Okay, she screams, her free hand clutches at the side of her head where the hair has been cut away quite close. She tears her other hand through the knife and reaches it towards you to grab you around the waist. And then she drags you towards her as her jaw distends and she seems prepared to bite you in half with these nasty rows of sharp, wicked teeth. Raven, Whitaker is in dire trouble. What do you do? Ooh. Raven is going to use her flaming speed boost to get over there, and then the razor gloves from the raccoon spirit to cut Whitaker free and push him out of the way of the witch's bite attack. Okay. You can get Whitaker freed, but if you're prioritizing pushing him out of the way, you're going to be in trouble again yourself. I will say, as the witch closes the distance and is about to make a snack out of you, there is another bright flash and Aiden appears in the room again. Her glowing wings can guard you against the witch's bite as she recoils from their radiant flare. She will take your hand and then launches you towards the witch. Yeah, take her out. Raven, here. Whitaker's holding out the sword for Raven to grab as she shoots past him at high speed. Damien, don't let her escape. You got it. Damien launches another set of knives, and with some help from Wendy's arrows, they end up pinning the witch to the back wall of the room. Raven, the witch screams and writhes, struggling to free herself, but also still trying to intercept you. But with Damocles, the magic sword, and your spirit-clawed gloves, you tear through the hair that tries to stand in your way. Finish this monster. Raven plunges the sword into the wide-open mouth of the witch, and it pins her head to the wall just like the knives and the quill arrows. And I think after a moment of twitching, all of the hair in this place goes limp, along with the witch's body. her long, monstrous tongue now hanging from her gaping mouth as black ichor drips from the blade and her jagged teeth. The Hair Witch has been defeated. Thanks to the agency's elite group of monster hunters, Rogue Team. Raven hovers for a moment on her fire jets before they extinguish, and she touches down on the ground again. Whitaker looks at, like, the blood and, like, viscera dripping from the blade. Nice one, Eugenia. Raven's gonna pull the sword out of the witch's body and hand it gingerly back to Whitaker. And sort of, like, wipes it on his sleeve. <laughs> that was a close one. Yeah, bit of a close shave. Ah, nice. There's a bunch of reporters outside. We're gonna wanna get clean up in here ASAP. Yeah, keep the perimeter secure. I'll call it in. You okay, Damien? Ah. He stretches. Yeah, I'm okay, just a bit bruised. Do you need a minute before we go face the press? We're done, right? We can take it easy now? I think so. Okay, perfect. Damien, you gonna retrieve my knives for me, or...? I figured I would just buy you some new ones, because you probably aren't gonna want to put those back in your holster. We see the dark blood of the witch corroding the knives that are pinning her body to the cracking plaster of the wall. 
Oh my god. I mean, do you really want them back at this point? No. No, I really don't. He can explain that to requisitions when we get back to headquarters. Whatever, it's only money, right? (laughs) Wigger takes out a little radio and calls in the all clear. Solo target, now nullified, no minions tracked on the location. Job well done. We see the four of you walk out of the dilapidated old house. You can force the front door open by prying off these layers of tangled old hair that had been keeping the door closed. And we see the gathered crowd cheering. And seemingly they are very excited and all these photographers and news camera crews are being held back by the official barricade your fellow agents were able to set up. But clearly these reporters are eagerly hoping to catch a glimpse of what supernatural events might have transpired here. We see the group of victims wrapped in emergency blankets, and they're being lifted into a medical evac. Raven, you and Aiden tend to handle the public statements for Rogue Squad, since Whitaker would prefer not to be in that sort of public spotlight, and Damien has been officially banned from talking to the press. (laughs) (laughs) Cannon. Oh, man. So I would say the two of you have, in the last year, become somewhat noteworthy public figures and almost representatives for the agency on like talk shows or big events. You're often upheld as examples of the agency's work to protect the public, since you both clean up well and are more palatable levels of supernatural compared to some of your coworkers. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I clean up well, Natalie. I clean up so well. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, you answer a couple questions, let the news get a photo, and then head back to headquarters. So as the headline will read in the morning, Once again, the agency has saved the day. And speaking of the morning, we will transition through Portland again in a time lapse as the early morning hours shift into dawn and sunrise. And we come to stop at a new looking building. In fact, so new that there is still some landscaping that needs to be done out front. We have arrived at the new and as yet to be named community center, the personal project of one Hugo Rashad. A day. Could you describe Hugo's season three look and what he's doing right now? Hugo Rashad is a stoic arcane warrior and the bearer of extensive magical tattoos. His tattoos are not so much on display, but they're there and he can't do much about them. The ones on his arms are clearly visible because he's wearing a high sleeve t-shirt and sleeveless cardigan. His hair is in dreadlocks in a bit of a tangled up bun with small golden accent pieces dispersed amongst them. He has thin glasses, also with gold accents, and he's wearing a thin gold chain around his neck that has a golden ring on it. The ring is a gift from the Princess of the Folk Summer Court and his former paramour from his past. Uh, That gets into some complicated lost memory stuff though, it's all a bit hazy. At present, he's opened one of the first supernatural community centers with help from members of his former secret order, the Whispered. Hugo is working to reshape the Whispered from a monster hunter organization into an outreach and support network for everyone adjusting to the big changes the world has been through. And as we see walking down a hallway, could you describe the community center? So the community center, the initial part of it is very much akin to a library of sorts and how it looks. As you would enter into it, you initially go into a space that is somewhat circular, high vaulted ceiling, with a small uh, water structure in the center, has a statue in the middle of it with um, a variety of hands shaking each other. At first you think it's one hand and two hands, but then when you look at it from another angle, it's two entirely different looking hands. We look at it at another angle, it looks like it's a wing and a claw. The space then proceeds to 
expanded to multiple other rooms. Some of them have windows so you can see into them. Other ones are entirely dark and privatized. There's various people milling about in certain areas. There's some people pushing carts, trying to set up some paintings and murals on the sidewalls. Someone is currently trying to hang a chandelier, but they're kind of having difficulty with it. One could guess that they're a pixie of some sort, but that chandelier is way too large and heavy for them. This little pixie is struggling because their little fairy wings are like buzzing super fast, but they're sort of only able to get this chandelier slightly levitated up off the ground as they pull on the chain to like hook it into where it's supposed to connect. Hey, you know you're supposed to ask for help when you need help. That's why we're here. Thank you, Mr. Rashad. Ooh, I think I pulled something and they cracked their shoulder and the wing kind of... <laughs> oh, oh. All right, I'll be back. I gotta go get the light bulbs and they flitter off. And you can see in one of these open doors, because I guess the building is sort of shaped like a hexagon or like an octagon. A nonagon, or whatever the term is for a nine-sided thing. A pair of doors are open and you can see into like a gymnasium where a few people are seated in a circle and it looks like the support group is just wrapping up their afternoon slash early evening session. And we see uh, your friend, Jordan Rivers, who is leading this discussion. Jordan is almost half shifted, meaning that like they've got some like scruffy, like wolf fur sideburns down their face and like little wolf ears peeking up out of their dark long hair. Their eyes are definitely canine in appearance. And every time they speak, they've got very large canines and uh, a little bit more fur scruff uh, on their arms. But they are listening attentively to this cyclops who is sitting across from them next to uh, someone who looks like their partner. And uh, the Cyclops is in this, like, tweed sweater vest. And he's just saying, Well, yeah, um, it's been really, really great coming out to everyone at work uh, about, you know, being a Cyclops. Uh, I don't have to glamour anymore. And uh, got some weird looks, but, you know, I just give them right back. Uh, <laughs> and point at their one big eye. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love him. And they say, But, uh, yeah, no, John's family's been really supportive uh, ever since they found out, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it's, it's been going really well. And I'm getting LASIK next week, so, you know, that's that's nice. Uh, and we can see Jordan nod. Uh, thank you for sharing, Dave. That's really, that's great. That's awesome. All right, well, that looks like it's about time. So we're going to wrap up for this week. But remember, we're out there and they can't make us hide again. Be honest about who you are. Show people there's nothing to be afraid of, even if we're a little <laughs> monstrous. And when they say that, their voice deepens and you see their shoulders grow a little bit more as they shift slightly more into their wolf form. But everyone gets up, they put their jackets on, they thank Jordan for running the session and everyone starts to head out. And these people know you, Hugo. You've been around enough. So they say goodbye as they, they leave the gymnasium. Oh, hi, Mr. Sean. Bye, Hugo. See you next week, Hugo. Well, as everyone clears out, he's going to walk up to Jordan. They're stacking the chairs. Who'd have thunk that you getting stuck in Portland would have gotten you this far? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy, though. It feels like home now. You're doing a great thing for everyone. I'm just here to talk to people. You're the one doing great thing. And they gesture at the gymnasium that's now being 
you know, finishing touches on that are also being done. You see some people painting the walls. There's maybe an electrician who's like installing some lighting on the other half that hasn't been completely finished yet. I'm not doing anything. It's a community project. Yeah, but you're the one who thought it up. You gotta take a little credit, buddy. I'll take a bit. Just a bit. They grin and they say, like this much a bit? And they gesture sort of a rectangular shape. Because Rhea was thinking like a big bronze plaque out front, you know, <sighs> like... <the> <laughs> This is the part where everyone is constantly testing me. This is fine. This is perfectly fine. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. We do need to name this place at some point, though. So if you think of something, let one of us know. Gonna work on it. All right, well, I gotta go check on the pack, so I'll catch up with you later. All right. And as they leave, you see they fully <laughs> shift into wolf form and take off running on all fours down the street. We will leave Hugo as he pauses in the foyer of the community center, and you can catch a news report on the TV in the waiting area, which is covering the events that Rogue Team were involved in the night before. And we see Whitaker, Raven, Damien, and Aiden emerging from the lair of the Hair Witch. It's like Raven and Aiden front and center waving, and Whitaker like, all right, guys, let's just go, let's go. Stay behind the perimeter. No comment to the press. Come on. Yeah, there's clips of Aiden comforting the victims while the EMTs get them loaded into ambulances, and Raven handling the questions from the press at a little makeshift PR station the agency brings with them to handle this sort of response. What kind of monster was it? Agent Eugenia, are you concerned for the mundane citizens of Portland? What is the agency doing to prevent these attacks from happening in the first place? The agency is keeping vigilant to prevent as much conflict between the supernatural and mundane communities as possible. Incidents like these are not the norm, but we are ready to respond when they do. I can try to answer a couple more questions, but as you should know by now, the specific details of agency operations are classified until reviewed by the director's office. Thank you. Damien is yanked by the scruff away from the reporters by Whitaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And our camera eventually zooms in on the EC Agency crest behind the podium of this press conference. And then that crest becomes the floating holographic agency crest displayed in the main lobby of the EC Agency headquarters. Here in the massive main lobby, there are several floors of the building which rise upwards on two sides, perpendicular to the large front and back walls, which are all glass, same as the ceiling, which allows natural light to fill the central hub. It's very akin to some airports or convention centers in its design, with a raised mezzanine level on the back half with a cafe and seating area for agents to sit and work on reports or hold meetings. A smaller balcony, which is new, extends off the mezzanine, where there are a series of large projected screens to display live reports, statistics from across the country, and other important information. All of this is being overseen by a woman with elegant but sharp features in a dark suit, giving orders to various assistants and the operators on this balcony. Director Olivia Easty, the leader of this organization, is here steering the ship that is her rapidly expanded network of operatives. Completely human. Completely human, <laughs> asterisk afterwards. Just a normal lady. Looking out for the safety of America. <laughs> An easily sunburnt woman. Turtleneck enthusiast. No one's ever seen that woman eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
cover girl for SPF 75 sunscreen. <laughs> for new listeners joining us here, there is no subtle way to put this. She's a vampire, and our heroes have complicated feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> we get a sweeping series of camera cuts and views of the hum of activity going on at the Eastie Agency. Several monstrous-looking individuals, also wearing Eastie suits or specialized attire with the Eastie crest, mingle and move with their human co-workers here, much more than before the revelation. In fact, many of the new recruits to the agency have been monstrous individuals looking to make a positive difference, but also maybe wanting to make sure that the agency, which used to hunt monsters, is keeping their word and only engaging with those creatures that would be actively causing harm to innocent people. We see new apartments being built for this influx of new agents to stay at between missions. We see Whitaker and Damien's third roommate, Prithi Devon, the agency head of IT and data security. They're overseeing the installation of a large new server network. We see the Yeti, Norm Northunder, speaking with a pair of human agents, the Ramos twins, as they submit some arcane item to be safely secured in cold storage at the agency vault. We see Elizabeth Vines, the agency's lead researcher, and Gimmer the Goblin, head of requisitions, having a talk in the cafe together. There's just a lot of activity and development happening here now that the operations of the agency must expand in response to the exponentially increasing presence of the supernatural in the country and also the world. And we see Rogue Team walking together out of a conference room, having just finished your debrief on last night's mission. Hugo takes out his phone and sends a text. Ooh, okay. You know what that is? Growth. <laughs> <laughs> What's the text you send, Hugo? Hey, saw you guys on the news again. Just wanted to say, keep up the good work. You're doing great. Oh, Hugo affection. Aiden will check her phone first because she's got her headphones in, so she'll hear the notification even though the office is kind of loud. Oh, did you all see what Hugo sent to the group chat? We should try to get over to see him soon. It's been too long since we all got together outside of work. Hey, uh, Whitaker, how does vacation time work? I was about to say, I've been putting you guys through your paces through the past couple of weeks, so uh, I think we could use a week off. What do you guys want to do? Do you want to retry that camping trip again? <laughs> that sounds amazing. We never really did get it right last year. 85th times the charm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Let's do it. Where do we want to go camping? texting Hugo, we're going camping. Pack your bags. We'll be there soon. And by soon, I mean a couple of hours. <laughs> Actually, when are you free? I'm sure you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> Time can be made. What's the team transport? Is it the Whitaker truck still? Unmarked black pickup truck. I'm not letting her go. Sure. So in typical Storyteller Squad fashion, you all pile into a truck with a camper slash mobile home attached and head south to stay for a week at Yosemite National Park, where, as I think someone mentioned, there are sequoia trees and hiking trails and just the quiet of nature away from the hustle and bustle of a city and your lives which have just been chock-a-block full of supernatural happenings really non-stop since the revelation. You guys had maybe a week or two to yourselves back in Autumn Falls, where uh, Raven is originally from. But as life is wont to do, it just seemed to continue to pick up the pace as more new responsibilities and things stepped forward and 
you know, Hugo with the construction of the community center, Raven, Damien, and Aiden with all your agent training, and Whitaker reintegrating back into the agency after going rogue last season. You guys arrive at your campsite. We can say it's been maybe a day since you've been there. So you're nice and settled now. I have a question. What what is what's your guys' campsite like? How much do you personalize this shit just out of curiosity? Yeah. Describe the campsite, <laughs> everyone. Yeah, Damien's on the grill. Oh, nice. I like Damien being grill master. Uh, the grill has a table next to it for prep work. You know, onions and tomatoes and burgers and buns and everything. Uh, campfires set up. We've got the metal s'mores sticks ready to go. Little fairy lights on the edge of the camper. Plenty of the uh, unfoldable camping chairs set around the campfire. Yeah, we definitely got chairs for everybody around the campfire. Love that. I've got a little detail. There is a hammock and Raven, Aiden is taking a nap. She's sleeping? She's sleeping. Fascinating. Is that normal for her recently? That has been normal since the Battle of Atlantic City. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. It's not that she needs to sleep. She can go a long time without sleep if she needs to. Okay. In fact, most nights she'll just stay right up and keep doing things or work on like the chores you guys have to do, you know, laundry and dishes and food prep. But every now and then. Oh my God, is Raven so spoiled? (laughs) Her girlfriend just does all the chores while she's sleeping. You help sometimes. I'm sure she does out of obligation and also (laughs) guilt, but oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Okay, they have to reach some kind of agreement. Like, you can't do all of the chores while I'm sleeping. It's just not fair. (laughs) Please let me do some stuff. Okay, I'll I'll leave you the silverware or something. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Raven does like the cooking and stuff because that's stuff that would be weird to do in the middle of the night. Listen, it's a fair and balanced relationship. You're contributing. All right. As long as she's got something. (laughs) Raven doesn't need any more reasons to feel inadequate in a relationship with the world's only celestial, okay? (laughs) Mm, Fair enough. Yeah, no, occasionally, like Thursday night is her night where she like will snuggle up in bed next to you and she'll be like, good night. Give you a little (laughs) kiss on the cheek and, you know, roll over under the covers with you. Like she actually does sleep now sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. So she's just in a hammock, taking a nap. Uh, she's got her headphones in, playing whatever music she had on. Mm-hmm. I feel like Raven doesn't want to interrupt her. I think Raven was going to, she was heading over towards the hammock and then saw like her asleep and decided to just leave her be. Yeah. It is sort of like an idyllic like little postcard of like Aiden sleeping yeah. in a hammock, like a sunbeam. Raven snaps a photo on her phone Aww. for later. It's just a cute like, oh, cute. <laughs> Yeah, I think she's just gonna smile for a minute and then turn around and head over to Damien at the grill. I think she'll go sit down at the, it's like a picnic table or something. She'll just go sit and hang out near him. Taking the sense of what he's cooking. What are you making, Damien? Uh, Burgers, but there's some kebabs on the side to mix it up a little bit. Mm, Nice. Get some veggies in there, yeah. Exactly. Lizzie Vines keeps telling him he's got to get vegetables in, so he's, okay, we'll get some vegetables in. (laughs) (laughs) Damien, let me tell you about macros. Let's not get bogged down by numbers and math. (laughs) It needs pineapple. Ooh. Mm. Thank you. You listen to Hugo. He knows what he's talking about. I think there's some in the cooler. Yeah, he's got some pre-sliced pineapple chunks. So we'll grill some of those up. Hell yeah. I think Whitaker's got a 
old issue of Cryptid Monthly mm -hmm. with a series of photographs from Yosemite, and he's just kind of flipping through them like, oh yeah, we could go see that little vista over there. That looks kind of nice. Looking to sort of mark out like, oh yeah, let's go visit these places. There is an image of a enormous bird of prey perched in one of these sequoias and you only realize how enormous it is when you see the scale of someone else in frame. Cover photo by Theo Springer. Does Whitaker just buy every issue that has Theo's photos as the cover? He's not that down bad for him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's just supportive. He saw where they were traveling and is like, well, let's just see if he ever just happened mm. through the area. <laughs> That's all. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not being <laughs> weird about it. <laughs> I'm not being weird about it. You're being weird about it. <laughs> hey, Raven, is he lying? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the thirst is real on this boy. Oh man! <laughs> but only a little bit. It's fine a little bit, like a completely reasonable amount. Just wants a little sip, that's all. <laughs> just a little sip. I just have an appreciation for the arts, that's all. Can we talk about literally anything else? <laughs> Hugo, how's that princess of yours? Oh, oh. Snap. How much do you know about that princess of Hugo's? Yeah, how much has Hugo told everybody? He's honestly been an open book about it. Nice. Oh, I love that. So you guys are all caught up on the situation between Hugo and Anya, princess of the summer court. You know what? Let's have a little scene. Hugo, you're FaceTiming with Anya right now. Cute. Uh, we see on Hugo's phone is a dark-skinned young woman with metallic gold and copper freckles across her cheeks, under her eyes, long pointed elvish ears, and cascading wavy curls in a sort of dark, deep red color. And she is wearing a simple black t-shirt and a tan apron. And behind her are a bunch of jars of coffee as she just seems to be working at a, a shop somewhere. <laughs> Uh, and calling in on her break. Sorry I couldn't get you an invite. This was sprung up on me pretty quickly. No, it's absolutely fine. You should have time with your friends. I know it's been a while since you've been able to catch up. How is it out there? Is the weather nice? The weather is great. The scenery is just beautiful. At some point, you will need to visit this place. I'd love to. Honestly, I wish I could promise sunshine, but we're moving out of my season, so it's in my mom's hands now. As silly as it sounds, and take no offense to this, this area looks better at night. Although I do hear that the waterfalls look really, really good right at like the dusk point. So I'll see what I can find. Snap some pictures for me. Many. Oh, I demand a couple's camping trip. <laughs> I demand it. <laughs> Although a weird thing of note is that they are not yet a couple. Ah, <laughs> we need a will they won't they camping trip. <laughs> Anya's voice gets a little softer, and she gives you a sheepish look. Thank you, by the way, for calling me to check in. It's nice of you, even though you're on your trip. Thank you for letting me go slow. This is still a lot, even after a year. The world's speeding up. It wouldn't be kind of me not to give you space and time to catch up with it. Thanks. Well, that's my break. I've got to go. Have a nice time. Say hi to everyone for me. Will do. Try not to work too hard. I... I have seen what can happen in those places. I'll talk to you later. 
Goodbye, shade of my heart. But he doesn't say it back. It's okay. She hangs up. <laughs> Raven, Wendy hops up onto the picnic table and like nuzzle into your shoulder. She scoops him up. Raven's become a lot more comfortable with Wendy. I think for a long time there was this kind of awkwardness between them of like, are you my friend? Are you my pet? Mm -hmm. You're not just an animal. You have like this other kind of spirit to you. So I think at this point they've really settled into being a little more affectionate with each other and like Raven will scoop up Wendy and kind of not roughhouse them in a violent way, but in like the way that sometimes dogs and cats want to be roughhoused a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. You could kind of scoop them up and wiggle them around and like ruffle up their fur a little bit and then let them settle down again. Yeah, I mean, Wendy, we can establish that like they're perfectly fine. They like getting scritches and pats and things. It's just like nice, you know? Yeah, they've fallen in like, oh, you're cool with this. Okay, then I'll do it more. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. They're a lot more snuggly. Yeah, it's very cute. They're also like an invincible spirit. And so she knows she can like toss them around a little bit and they find that fun. <laughs> you know, she'll like swoop them up onto her shoulders and they grab on. And mm -hmm. There's sort of a fun idea of you like throwing sticks and rocks for them to like target practice at, you yeah. know, and like pull off little trick shots and things here and there. Like running around in an open area and Wendy comes up and like leaps off of her shoulders. And mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of the dynamic of someone who has like a sheepdog that you do like the frisbee toss for. Mm -hmm. Just like really energetic and kind of like an established routine. I love that. God, they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Raven's doing now. She was sitting at the picnic table and then Wendy came up and so then they started doing that and now they're like running around in the field together. Mm -hmm. New GJ Chimeris single just dropped, so we're having a good time. <laughs> oh my god. Sure, yeah. There's a, an EDM beat from Portland legend DJ Chimera. Whitaker's already sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you played on the way down too. <laughs> <laughs> like 15 times in a row. It's so good. But it's EDM, and so you kind of can't tell when it starts and stops. So we thought it was only like five times in a row. God. <laughs> 21 plays. We're not doing this joke this season. <laughs> you can't escape it. The joke is in our hearts. You can edit it out all you want, Natalie. It's going to keep crawling back. <sighs> the latest hit, What's New Manticore by DJ Chimera. And every, every time, time we touch. I swear I can. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think Aiden wakes up, sees everyone having a nice time, and just closes her eyes again and stays cozy in the hammock. She puts on her usual 10 hours lo-fi mix to drown out the constant DJ Chimera, but other than that, she's just happy to vibe in the cool embrace of autumnal nature. <laughs> We're vibing. You put us on vacation. We're vibing. <laughs> it's a very cozy time. You're on vacation. This is our Slice of Life segment. <laughs> Let's cut to the evening. The sun is finally dipping down. The sky is full of purples and pinks and oranges. Damien, you're serving up food. Everyone's had dinner. And it is now time to work on the dessert, the, the schmores you're going to make. Damien's brought a whole pack of various chocolates. So we've got, you know, Snickers, Twix, etc. All the brands that haven't sponsored us yet. Oh my God. All in one nice, <laughs> conveniently shaped bag. Hershey's Cookies and Cream Bars and also Kit Kats both make great s'mores. 
The idea of a warmed up Twix where you would have the caramel melting as well as the chocolate mm. is really <sighs> appealing to me. I want that. Don't forget, you, you got to put on the rollers. Ooh. Mm. I like that. A little bit of Rolo. You're constructing these s'mores, Damien. People are roasting their own marshmallows to get them whatever color slash texture they want them. Yeah, you've got this perfectly golden marshmallow on your skewer. When you're learning to cast spells from your teachers at the Eastie Agency, they teach you a bunch of runes and gestures to make with your spell focus, whether that's a wand, your hands, or a staff, or something else. And Damien has been doing all of those steps, but nothing cool has been happening in any of his training sessions. So he's gotten into the habit of constantly practicing those gestures and motions and drawing the runes absentmindedly in the air, which is, you know, maybe unsafe, but he's gotten so used to doing these repetitive motions with his hands that that's what he's doing with the marshmallow on the skewer. And once the marshmallow is nice and toasted, he places it on the graham cracker, takes a bite, and then he gets a thing in his nose, like a, a, a choo! And when Damien sneezes as he's chomping down on this perfectly prepared marshmallow, his body immediately goes limp and collapses to the ground. Jesus Christ. <gasps> and Damien, your spirit... <laughs> is shunted out of your body. Oh my God. As you successfully cast for the first time an astral projection spell. <laughs> Seriously. Not what I was expecting. <laughs> Can we see the spirit or is it just? What does this look like? Does Whitaker have the glasses on? Whitaker's got the glasses on. If Whitaker has the glasses on, you can see Damien's spirit. Aiden, who is a Celestial, can see Damien's spirit. And Raven, did we give you the sight finally? I think canonically she's had it, but I haven't had it like as a move on my sheet. But I've been able to see all the other spirits and stuff like that. Yeah. And like just for the ease of things going forward, Hugo, there's a tattoo on you that's an eye and literally connects you to a spirit. You also can have the ability to like see beyond the veil if you'd like. I'm here for it. I just think rather than saying like, oh, this person has to pretend they don't know what's going on, especially in an audio medium where it's all theater of the mind. I don't want people to have to be like listening to cool description and going like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's just like that just kind of sucks. So we can all see the cool stuff. You guys are powerful, magical people. You can you can see spirits. But Damien, you have successfully astral projected. Wild. Yeah. So there's this green vaporous, you know, Oh, is your spirit self like a green slime? It's like a humanoid shape, but it does have the eyes moving across it the way his old slime eyes used to and like many of them and just sort of there's a glowing gold spark at the center (gasps) like all humans have. Oh my God. I fucking love that. Whitaker like instinctively reaches for the bag that carried the fold up chairs in it. And you can see suddenly he brought the sword with him. It was just tucked away in one of the bags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he like goes to unsheath it. It's like, oh, that Damien, is that you? And for a second, David's like sort of taking it all in and is in shock. And then he looks down at himself and you can't really see a moment of panic in an abstract thing of a person, but when they grab at the body and try to get back inside frantically. Oh, oh poor Damien. You can get back in easy enough. If you like shake at it, like spiritual green formed sort of 
disappears back in with a gold flash and you are back. <gasps> what was that? Are you okay? Did you just cast a spell with a marshmallow? Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a spell? I thought you died. Oh. We found your spellcasting focus. Is that going to happen every time you sneeze now? Is that going to happen every time you make a small? Has that ever happened before? Uh, there's there's a lot of questions. And I think I need another s'more to answer some of them. <laughs> Aiden just hands you hers. Try a different chocolate, see if it changes. Damien goes to bite Aiden's s'more, and at the last thing he goes, wait, no. Aiden, I would very much like to eat this s'more, but the responsible thing is to let you keep yours, and I need to make it myself. Oh, that's sweet, but no, it's fine. Go ahead and eat that one. Yeah, I know. I, I know you think that I'm being sweet, but I, I generally don't think the magic is going to work just because I eat your s'more. You know, that's fair. No take backs. Um, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and he's back. Not growth. <laughs> Two steps forward, one step back. There would be time to experiment with s'more magic, but there is a loud clatter. Did you just say with s'more magic? With s'more magic. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There's a loud clatter over towards where you're like keeping your recycling and like trash. Uh oh. We got raccoons. Oh, I love raccoons. Yeah, you would. But what's that supposed to mean? Oh, we gotta <laughs> hang the trash up, don't we? Or we get bears. Mm-hmm. Every time. Uh, Whitaker takes out a flashlight and shines it over towards the trash cans to try and scare away whatever completely mundane animal is rooting through their trash. Aiden will bring her wings out to illuminate more of the uh, campsite area. Again, it's like creeping into like evening now. It's still maybe a little bit of color in the sky, but perfectly fine to have a flashlight with you. When you get there, you see that indeed your trash has been kicked over and some of it has been like strewn about. But you don't quite see anything just yet. Whitaker cleans up the trash and secures the lid more securely. Does Windy look freaked out at all? I know sometimes they chase animals and, you know, act like an animal. Their rabbit ears are sort of testing the air, darting to and fro, listening. And there is a clatter as the grill actually is knocked over. Uh, and the charcoal sort of spills out onto the area where you've been having that set up. Shit. Oh, shit. I thought I secured that. Damien's running over to the grill. Careful. Those are like embers. Yeah, you don't want to touch the embers, but you can quickly like douse them uh, or make sure you don't like start a forest fire or anything. Then you hear a breaking of glass. Wasn't me. Are we getting pranked? Does someone want to read a bad situation? I will. If no one else wants to, I get to roll with cool. Ooh. Or wait, no, Raven, you probably have like a thing, don't you? I have three sharp. Raven, go for it. Yeah, this is the one thing I'm good at. <laughs> it's just been a while. <laughs> Don't fail me now. Ooh, that's a 13, and I have it as advanced. Nice. Ooh. So you get to ask, like, whatever question you want, even some not listed. In fact, you get three, because it's a, on 10 plus hold three. Oh, so I get three and then an additional... No, no, three questions that are whatever you want. Raven, ask if we're getting pranked. Did the paparazzi follow us here? I swear to God... <laughs> I guess question one, I feel like I know the answer to this, but I still should ask it. Is it mundane or magical? Second question, how many are there? And third, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Honestly, I was going to kind of go towards investigative mystery and say, like, what can it do? Ooh. Does that work? Magical or mundane? How many are there and what can it do? Okay. Raven, you're glancing around. 
you hear what sounds like, it sounds like almost a basketball being dribbled. Uh, is the best way I can describe the sound you're hearing. It's like someone hitting something rubber. Hmm. And you come around and you see a, a broken headlight on Whitaker's truck. But then like on the other side of the, of the front of the truck, you see these little white shapes. And as you come around, you see two. So there's how many strange looking creatures. It's magical. Mm -hmm. What can it do? Unclear, but it seems like they're just kicking stuff <laughs> because they're basically just a pair of legs. Yes. <laughs> Fucking love these little rascals. These little ghostly white figures as if you took a ghost and then instead of a, a sheet for the bottom of it, it had two little legs with tiny feet. Oh my God. They're just pants. And they're just kicking your car. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them has like a little like mustard on their foot. Like they kicked over the trash can. <laughs> and you know, you can see the broken headlight. One of them is sort of tall and a little skinnier in terms of its like dimensions. And the other one is a little more short and stout. How like big are they? Because you said the headlight was broken, so they're not like they're not like little bitty. About the size of a pair of men's medium pants. <laughs> yeah, one of them is. Then another one is more like the height of like a pair of capris because it's shorter. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> baby one. There's just the two. They've got just these like dark void eyes, no other visible features, and they're just <laughs> kicking at your car's tire. <laughs> <laughs> they're like a. They're like corporeal. Like they're not like see through. Yeah, mostly. They're like okay. a little, uh, maybe a little transparent. Like they're okay. glowing softly, like um, baby's nightlight almost. <laughs> they're so charming the way you describe them. Yeah, but they're just really going to town on this tire. <laughs> and when they see you, they kind of whoop and like straighten up the both of them. And they like, <gasps> and like scurry out towards the, like an area of the campsite. And as they run around, one of them kicks a chair over and another one like runs over to the fire and starts like stamping on it with its little feet, just like causing a bunch of mayhem. Oh my God. <laughs> I need to get a picture of these. They look like those little Among Us guys. Oh my God. <laughs> Prithy is going to love this. Prithy's gonna lose their mind. <laughs> look Prithy, it's sus. I know references. <laughs> I'm still relevant. It's sus, pretty. <laughs> the longer it takes for this episode to come out, the funnier that joke is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, can I use a move? You could use a move. What move do you want to use? Cryptid sighting. Okay. Fuck yeah. Sure. A perfectly good use of that skill. Yes. <laughs> I get to ask and investigate a mystery question upon seeing a strange creature. And I kind of already did that with the last one, but I will ask a different one. Can I ask where did it go? Can I like see where, like what direction they're going in, where they're headed? They don't seem to be fleeing. They just seem to be. Oh, they just kind of ran a little bit away from me, but they haven't left the campsite. No, they seem intent on destroying your campsite as slowly and ineffectually as their attempts might be right now. <laughs> They're about to be fleeing. You see Damien grab one of the chairs. Can I smack him, Whitaker? Can I? Yeah, they're trying to take out my tires. Get these things out of here. But I need like one photo first. So are you attacking one of these things, Damien? I'm not going to roll for it. It's just Damien like swinging a chair. Running along comedically valued. Just uh, trying to smack him with a chair. He's They're very agile for just being a little pair of legs. In fact, like as you're like chasing one, they kind of like hop, skip, jump and like run vertically up the side of the camper and then back down the other side and then sort of appear poking out from under the trailer and like step on your foot and run around you. And then they, 
So they're just like moving with like incredible speed, but again, just sort of like being a nuisance. They're just little rascals. One of them comes over onto the picnic table and is just like bouncing up and down on the picnic table, trying to like break one of the top boards of it. And Damien's doing the thing where he's getting angry and when he misses, because these guys are more agile, he ends up doing more damage by swinging the chair around than they're doing. Yeah, you smack a chair into the side of the camper, but just scratches. <laughs> oh, oh, get no. you, son of a get back, you little... Hugo, what are you doing? Laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's real funny when you're not the one renting the camper. Oh, we got insurance. It's fine. We know better. <laughs> we're on their turf. I'm just saying. Hugo, when you say we're on their turf, the little one who's like, again, pounding on top of the picnic table stops and looks at you and like cranes their little short squat body like to the side a little like they're curious at you. Ooh, we are going to slowly approach. Actually, no, you know what? No, we're not gonna do that. We are going to quickly approach. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yes. Cool, uh, use your ability. Did we come up with a name for that one? We should. Sneed, snipe speed. <laughs> we're not gonna call it Sneed. Sneed, Sneed, Sneed. Oh no, now you've sold me on it. It's the need for Sneed. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> we won, Brittany. Today we won. We did it. <laughs> well, we got a 13 on a use magic, which is advanced, so. It's fine. Okay, yeah. You're sitting in your in your folding chair, kind of chuckling and say that, and then there's a crackle of gold energy and you leap forward in a burst of supernatural speed. And Hugo, you zip forward uh, right in front of the picnic table where this little fella has been like stamping on it and they pop back, like very like, whoa, like animation, you know, their eyes like go wide again, but then they, they still like tilt and look and sort of, take three steps forward closer to you and like crane their face up at you. He's gonna slowly sink down to their level. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you good with us being here? (laughs) I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Hey, Raven, translation? Raven's gonna look at Wendy and give him a little shrug like, do you understand that? <laughs> they shake their head no. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of the taller one of these little guys has Damien on the ground and just like stepping on your face a bunch of times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Raven can do some magic to try and understand them. Okay. Yeah, she's going to use magic to try and communicate with something that uh, she does not share a language with. Uh, that's an eight. Okay, you cast some magic. The one that's like stepping on Damien sees its companion talking to Hugo and like walks over to where Hugo is standing and just sort of like plants itself and stands up straight, even though it doesn't have hands to put on its hips. And Raven, your magic has like successfully taken effect, but you you don't just, that's all you hear. <laughs> but you do get like an emotion. Okay. And the emotion is one of we're here to protect something and we're not sure if you're it, but we don't recognize you. So we're trying to do our job. So don't get in our way kind of a thing. It's like a, it's like a huffy, like sort of. Yeah. Uh, and the little one, uh, you know, kind of looks at their friends. 
And it's more of like a, hey, they're willing to talk. Let's hear them out kind of a deal. <laughs> Whitaker looks over at Raven. What's the verdict, Pants Whisperer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not getting actual words. Kind of just like the feeling they're trying to convey. And she'll point and be like, this one says that they're trying to protect something and we're in the way. And the other one said, hear him out. Trying to protect something. Yeah. I, I think they're confused on if they should fight us or not. They're not really sure. So they're they're sort of fighting us. The little one sees you two talking and picks up a foot and like waggles a little. Like they don't have toes, but they like wave their little like foot at you. Like uh-huh. come here and talk to me kind of thing. <laughs> oh yeah, Raven will, will like bend down and crouch. So they're kind of eye level more. Okay, yeah. And what does that mean? (laughs) You get the sense of like, our home's in danger. Are you the danger to our home? Oh. We smelled the burning, meaning like they smelled the charcoal. Oh, Raven will relay that to the group. I don't know if they can understand me, but she'll like point over to the grill. That was contained fire. We just use that to make food for ourselves. It's not a danger to you. It's more of a danger now that you've knocked it over, actually. But it's okay. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I clearly know what I'm doing, and you're bad people, and I don't like you. (laughs) Do they want us to put the campfire out, at least? Whitaker, like, points very, like, sternly at the campfire and then looks at them like, that? You got a problem with that? The little one, they can't shrug, but they kind of just, like, tilt their head back and forth, like, no, not fire. Just like they they smelled something over here. Hmm. The taller one marches huffily back over to the, the truck and like begins kicking at the tire again. <laughs> and just like... <laughs> it smelled like a rotting or like a, a chemical smell. Ooh. So not like a smoke, but like a, a foulness, basically. Yeah. Like gasoline, like fuel, like... Or like a like a rotting. Rotting? Yeah. Just like a sour kind of smell. We only just got here. Hmm. Whitaker will search the inside of the camper, like, to see if there was anything in there with them. It's pretty clean, but you get the idea that, like, because you are a foreign body to the forest that you guys are just... They're just just blaming us. Oh. We're the most obvious thing that it could be. Yeah. It's like, we smell a a weird bad thing and here is a bunch of stuff that doesn't belong here. So we came to deal with it. But yeah, the little one sort of hops off the picnic table and starts like drawing with their toe in the ground, like in in the dirt around the campfire. And they draw like a bunch of little guys. We can call them what they are. It's Fresno Nightcrawlers. Yay! Yeah, but they keep drawing a bunch of these little sketches in the dirt, but then they draw just a version that looks like maybe them and their tall friend, Mm -hmm. and they gesture at, like, the big group that they drew and kind of, like, do that little head tilt thing of, like, I don't know where everyone else is, (gasps) but, like, me and my friend are here, and they keep circling that and, like, pointing Mm -hmm. and then pointing at themselves. Like, again, they're, like, pants, but their legs move in a very sort of fluid motion, so they can kind of stand on one leg and have one leg that operates like a a gesturing arm and hand and, like, a mitten kind of thing. Yeah. Is Raven not being able to fully understand them the glitch 
of the magic just being too weak to like fully translate. That and like, you get the sense that these creatures might not be able to speak any other way. Okay. They're very simple, it feels mm-hmm. to you. Like you interact with a lot of spirits. They don't actually have words. They just communicate with each other like this too. Yeah. So they need help finding the rest of them? That's what it looks like. Oh God, it's the snipe hunt all over again. <laughs> Everybody stay together. Yeah, I think they got split up from the rest of their group and they're blaming the weird smell for it. Or maybe they went out to investigate the weird smell and now they've been separated. I, I think the spell is fading and I can't really understand them anymore. Yeah. Is Aiden still asleep or is she No, she, she's she's up at this point because she remember she went to go look at the trash. Oh, room. that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. With s'mores and stuff. She goes over to the tall, skinnier one who's like kicking the tire again. And uh, she's going to use her soothe ability. She's like, hey, just let's talk. We're talking with your friend. It's okay. And the little like the tall one just kind of like sees her eyes go super wide and then like looks at the tire, looks at her, and then kind of looks like <laughs> like bashful, like, <laughs> She's like, it's okay, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. Just, come on, let, let's figure this out. <laughs> like, like kind of poutily, like, walks back over to where it's friends and you're all talking to them. Oh, so they'll listen to the VIP, all right. <laughs> I love the idea that if she has to touch them to do, like, the full soothe thing, that they're just kind of like a little upside down V shape. And she just has to put her hand like on their face. <laughs> There's like nowhere, like they don't have a shoulder or anything. She kind of gives like a little head pat and every time she pats them, they like glow a little gold. Like oh. a little of her like light is like being transfused through their very simple white bodies. <laughs> Fucking cute. But yeah, they come back over and the, the tall one again points at the drawing of the two of them that's been circled a bunch and like points and then points at itself and they'll tell you their names at least. So the tall, lanky one points at like the one of them and then points at them and they go, Okay. Okay, so <laughs> names. Names. I'll, I'll send out the typed out version of it. Um, but then yeah, how do you spell? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. R R R R R R R E E E E H H H H R R R L L L L E H H M M M M M M M. Okay. That's amazing, and I love it. I'm calling them Capri and Jeggings, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) The little one points to their little picture of themselves, and then at them, and they go, which is M-E-E-M-O-O-M-O-R-R-M-I-M-I-M-I. Oh, Natalie, I can't with you. What? You're so precious. (laughs) The fact that you actually took the time to spell them out is just... Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. Short and round, taller and lanky. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Uh, so Damien comes out, sees that everyone is actually having a nice, pleasant conversation with these little fellows, gives a big hearty sigh and begins to put and disassemble the sniper rifle and put it back <laughs> in the little box back in the camper. He just got it put together. <sighs> Incredible. And at this point... We hear a shriek from off in the woods. Just like a person shrieking, top of their lungs. Oh boy. Whitaker grabs the sword. Damien, put that rifle back together. A louder sigh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Capri, jegging, any idea what that was? The two of them perk up towards the sound and they take off running into the woods. Towards the sound or away from it? Towards the sound. All right. They're quick little guys. Job never ends, folks, let's go. 
quickly puts out the fire first, just in case. So smart. Good. Love that forest safety from you, Hugo. Top marks. Aiden's like putting on her jacket and she's like, if we're not done with this in a couple hours, I'm calling it. We should just go home and make a blanket fort in our living room. <laughs> the 85th time was not the charm. <laughs> and it's never going to work. You guys want to do like a concert next time? Like a karaoke bar? Ooh, yeah. This is getting ridiculous. Raven's also slipping on her jacket. <laughs> they're having this conversation as they're like strapping up and ready to go. Everyone's suiting up. You guys brought your stuff. Like, Oh yeah, you know, we all did. Of course we did. It's a dangerous world now. Magic is everywhere. We all acted like we wouldn't. And then we all packed our stuff. She's got her tarot deck on her, because when does she not? Of course, of course. Uh, Hugo, are you suiting up at all? Yeah, Hugo, what are you wearing at this uh, juncture? Who are you wearing? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, Hugo. So he's not going to suit up fully, but you'll notice that on his wrists, there seem to be like, you know that permanent bracelet thing that a person can do? Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Like the chain kind? Yeah. Yeah. One on each wrist. There's some things on his shoulders, kind of. And as everyone starts to get going, we see a brief flash of light as suddenly there's layers of plating and fabric on his arms. Oh, that never gets old. Nice. Oh, I love that. Sorcerer Supreme sort of clothing change. We're getting there. We're not going full there, but we're getting there. It's like a, not to be D&D, but like mage armor, right? Where it apparates and then it's kind of ethereal. Think one part mage armor, one part Tony Stark, Nanites. Very cool, very cool. So then are they like solid physical armor once they show up? Yeah. Nice. Ooh, I love that. That's awesome. Let's go. Yeah. Your team suits up and you chase off into the woods. And it's not long before you start to see a light swinging, like someone running with a flashlight. And if you guys also have your flashlights, you can kind of point it forward and you see the two little figures who looked like they did run ahead, but kind of looked back and ran back to you and then ran back to this other person who's like coming towards you in the woods. And then are they doing like a back and forth between the two running groups. And you guys come across this person as they run out into your gathered group. Mel. Yay. Would you like to describe your character finally? Sure. Um, So coming, running out of like the darkness, uh, you see this like blur of a figure dressed in a lot of neutrals, brown hiking boots, faded black jeans, black t-shirt, like a gray fleece lined denim jacket. The only pop of color really is like, like the classic red flannel she has under her jacket. Um, She's got like long blonde hair, loosely braided and under a gray beanie as well. She's wearing gloves because it's a little cold. And you can kind of see that there's like a worn like leather book in one hand that she's holding really close to her chest, running with the flashlight in the other. She kind of like comes to a slow, I think as she like comes across her group and she just goes, uh, run, you, you, should, you should run. And then she's gonna keep running. And you all hear, the sound of large footsteps rumbling the earth, which are getting closer with each little. Uh, Whitaker? Uh, Whitaker actually taps the shoulder of the person running by. Ma'am, 500 feet back that way, there is an armored vehicle that you can hide in if you need it. I think you you like try to tap her on the shoulder and you say that to her. She's still going. <laughs> she just keeps running. <laughs> she just goes, 
cool, thanks. Not going to do that. <laughs> and keeps running. Honestly, valid. We are strangers. Mm-hmm. Let me get into a random armored vehicle in the middle of the woods. Yeah, in the middle yeah. of the woods at night by myself. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. While running from something terrifying. While running from something else. Yeah. <laughs> and some old man tells me to do that. No, thank you. <laughs> you all see the two little Fresno nightcrawlers as they run towards the fleeing woman and then run back to your group and then sort of run ahead again towards where the footsteps are coming from. Mimu, the little short round one, turns around and is just like, and then runs off towards the the sound. And you can kind of see in the last glimmers of, of sunlight as you know the sun finally dips and your sky is mostly just blues and purples at this point, a large shape moving and coming up over a ridge in the forest behind and through the the trees and the trunks of them. And again, this thing is massive because even amongst the tall sequoias of this forest, it is not quite rivaling them, but it makes them look dwarfed in terms of their scale. I'm allowed to be scared, right? That's a completely normal human emotion. Okay, cool. Raven, tell Windy to keep eyes on it. Got it. Wendy hops off your shoulder, gives a little salute, and leaps forward into the air where they turn into a swirl of like autumnal leaves and then just disappear ahead into the woods. Maybe let's regroup and find out what the heck that thing is by asking this person. Regroup means run, right? Yep. yep. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, adventurers. Thanks for joining us for another episode. And if this is your first time listening to the story with us, welcome. I hope if you're jumping in with this episode that you've enjoyed meeting our characters and getting a small taste of the world of our adventures. In these mid-reels, you can usually expect us to remind listeners like you how much your support means to us and helps us continue to do what we do here. You can find and follow our social accounts at Story Squadcast for updates, art, highlight clips from the episodes, and other content from the squad and I. I'm excited to once again tell you all about our generous sponsors and friends of the show, Many Worlds Tavern. Many Worlds Tavern is an online tea and coffee company specializing in sourcing flavors, roasts, and blends that are perfect for game night and your tabletop sessions. Brewing warm drinks can help you and your players settle in for a night of fun and shared storytelling. And thanks to their wide selection, Many Worlds Tavern has you covered no matter what you're in the mood for. Whether you need a focus-inducing rush of caffeine or a calming herbal experience, elevate your game night with incredible aromas and flavors, like Spiced Sands, their chai blend, or Hazy Hills, their Earl Grey tea. Not looking for caffeine late in the evening? I totally get that. That's why I enjoy their Electric Sheep blend of decaf coffee. But for those of you who live off that sweet energy bean juice, consider their Treasured Realm series. Each month, a new single-origin coffee is released, but only a thousand units are made. Each Treasured Realm installment comes with a limited-edition sticker, a unique magic item for Dungeons & Dragons, and a random set of dice. You can try one to start, or subscribe and start building your own treasure hoard. 
The first 100 listeners to use the code STORYTELLER at checkout will receive 10% off their entire order. Again, that's the code STORYTELLER, all one word. Visit miniworldstavern.com today and get some holiday gifts or a treat for yourself and support us by using the code for that sweet, sweet discount. You can find a link in our episode show notes. Just a couple more things to cover. We have a Discord community server. Once a Patreon exclusive, we've decided to open the server up to everyone and anyone interested in being part of our expanding community of adventurers. You can find an invite link in our episode show notes. But speaking of Patreon, if you can support our production by subscribing at patreon.com slash the storyteller squad, you'll be directly responsible for the steps we're always making to keep our show growing and improving. And we'll definitely have some patron exclusive perks and channels in the Discord still. So don't worry if you're already a member. We've got plans to spoil you this year. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed the rest of this episode. Part two should be out next week, December 29th. And in January, we begin the official start of season three. Take care, adventurers. We'll see you next time. We follow your character, Mel, as you run and stumble into the campsite of our heroes. I think she sees a free vehicle and starts trying to untether it from the trailer. Nice. <laughs> oh, I love a bitch who steals a car. Uh-huh. That's why I liked Damien. And she puts, like, the book in her mouth and starts trying to, like, break into the car. Okay. Do you have any moves which would allow this to happen rather seamlessly? Yes, I would have to roll plus sharp, but I could do it. Go ahead. Okay. Let's see. It's an eight. Okay. What does a mix on that move give you? In fact, what's the move? The The move is called burglar. Bob, yes. <laughs> yes, you took the crooked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Maybe, maybe not. Could be from another playbook. No, that's not a move you can take. That's a background for the crooked. Unless you're Natalie, who doesn't give zero fucks. <laughs> fair. Damien technically has a crooked background as one of his moves. Yeah, that's fair, actually. How do you think he got your knives in the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. So on a 10 plus, you pick three. On a 79, pick two. Uh, you get an undetected. You get out undetected. You don't leave a mess. You find what you were after. So I feel like get in undetected and find what you were after. Sure. You definitely found a vehicle. I definitely found a vehicle. <laughs> you are definitely going to unhitch it from the camper. <laughs> yep. But you'll leave a mess. I know you also aren't going to get away undetected either. Nope. Nope. There might be a Hugo in the back of that car. <gasps> oh my god. Ooh, that's very good. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, okay, okay. Because Hugo can get back fast enough. Yep. Yeah. We see you getting into the car. <laughs> the door closes, but there's a... <laughs> a gold flash that you're not aware of because we just sort of see it from the outside. And also, as you start to pull the truck forward, another gold flash in front of the vehicle as Aiden steps forward. And I'm going to use one of her new moves, 
divine strength. Oh. I was gonna slam on the brakes. I'm not looking to kill anybody. I know you're not, but I'm saying like you're you're just hitting the accelerate, and she appears in her gold flash uh-huh. and just puts her hands on like the, the little cage on the front because um, this is an agency vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she appears, digs her feet into the ground, and just puts her hands up against this grate, and the tires spin. And I get to show off that Aiden is a little stronger than she used to be, having been training all year. <laughs> and Hugo, what's what's the move here? What do you do? So, how's it going? Fuck! <laughs> in the backseat. Nice. You see one of the people that had run up to you in the woods just sitting there with his arms crossed. Always check the backseat. She looks over her shoulder at first at him, and then she's just looking at him in the rearview mirror, because it's easier on the neck, and just goes, fuck this, and just opens the car door and is getting ready to run again. Her only motivation <laughs> is to get the fuck out of here. Hey, wait a minute. And Aiden's like calling after you as she finally like gets the car to stop accelerating. Anybody else? You guys can all be back at the camp at this point. You're, you know, running out into the scene. Did she just try to steal the truck? Whitaker runs up beside her. That is government property, love. Oh, fuck. You're the feds? Eh, kinda. We're on vacation. Uh, We've got bigger problems right now. Look, I don't have time. Your car, my bad. Bye. You could try and stop her. You absolutely can't try to stop her. <laughs> yeah, Whitaker will run up and grab her arm or something. Try to stop her. All those years of running in the mornings. He's ready. <laughs> you need to tell us what's back in those woods there. Big rock monster. Doesn't speak English. That's about as much as I know. Aiden gets inside the truck, turns it off, and then tosses the keys to your Raven. Mm-hmm. And she'll come over to you. And she is going to use her soothe, but she'll say, Listen, we can help. Just let us know what's going on. You can't be much safer in these woods than with us. Eastie Agency. Whitaker's going to bring out the badge. You are correct in your suspicion. They are the feds, but they do seem friendlier than maybe you were expecting. They're the cool feds. <laughs> the cool feds. The feds that are on, on all the news programs right now. Don't talk to cops, kids. Thank you, Brittany. Don't talk to cops, but you can talk to Eastie agents. Especially if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the soothability, I think she just kind of takes a breath for a minute and kind of looks around at the group, squints at the Eastie agency badge, and just goes, okay, so you all deal with paranormal shit. Yeah, we do. Sort of an entry-level requirement, yeah. Okay. Um, to be honest, I don't even know where to begin. Maybe just a quick summary? Do you have a campsite around here? No, this was kind of a day trip sort of thing. Is it chasing you specifically? Yeah, and I don't know why. There's a nymph out there in the woods. Something about a blight. I tried to summon protectors. And, um... And at this point, the two little white creatures sort of poke their heads out from behind this figure. Like, they just are there. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> kind of, like, jumps a little bit. Like, the fuck? <laughs> oh, they're cool. They won't hurt you. Yeah, each of them lift up a leg and salute. Oh. When you say summon protectors, what exactly did you end up summoning? She gestures at the two little figures. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, that does explain some things. You might need to summon something a little bigger. And give them a little more direction. They're kind of confused. Well, I might have messed up. And that's how the the big guy. Oh. Uh-huh. Big rock 
person. While we're talking, Whitaker is like pulling some supplies out from the, the back seat of the car. Sure. You summoned a, a big boy over there by accident? Yeah, that sums it up pretty well. All right. You said you couldn't talk to it, but has it tried to engage in a hostile way with you? You know, I'm not the ask questions first type. It showed up. It started coming towards me. And, uh, you know, instinct kind of kicked in at that moment. Mm -hmm. Good instinct, kid. What's your name? Uh, Call me Val, I guess. All right, Val. Any idea what this thing is or how to send it back? Um, she's going to open the book again and try to go to the page where she first found the summoning thing. Yeah, you can show them that. Yeah, and she'll just like hold open like the two page spread. This this is what brought it. This was the thing. Whitaker and anyone else looking at the book as the pages are held open, you see in... It's probably an arcane script, so not like a language you would recognize, but... Why doesn't someone roll me investigate a mystery here to see if you recognize what this spell might be? Whitaker immediately checks out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Damien's like, uh, I'm not going to be helpful here. Let's go get some stuff out of the truck. We get Raven. <laughs> Our resident witch on the team for now. Yeah, I can do it. That is a 10. Okay. Hell yeah. I guess I should ask what can hurt it. And I guess what sort of creature is it? Do you want to ask what sort of creature is it and then your second one first? Yes, yeah. Okay. You look at the spell and you recognize a lot of these summoning glyphs because you've worked with other spirit summoners since joining the agency and Granny Jones, your sort of witch druid mentor back in Autumn Falls. Mm -hmm. And this spell in particular, you have a, a... It sort of is one of those things where because you have a personal connection to what this does you remember it more than like other spells that you've learned. The way that like, if you learn a language and you go somewhere, you learn the slang of that region more than like the general bit of that language. This is a spell that summons a troll. Oh, interesting. So what sort of creature is it you see coming out of the forest, you know, down the path is a large stone being, which honestly just resembles Mimu and rear, but large and towering and made of stone just stacked on top of each other to create long stone legs and big rounded head and cavernous cave zones where the eyes would be with little pinpricks of light from the inside, sort of giving it some sense of life as bits of dirt and moss and leaves sort of fall off it as it moves and it continues to not quickly or aggressively, but just inexorably, it walks and starts to approach your little group huddled around with the remains of the campfire. Uh, as far as what can hurt it, you recall, in, with your experiences with trolls, not much. <laughs> oh, right. Trolls are like the juggernaut of summons. They tend to stick around until they do the job they were summoned for, and then they go away. <laughs> right. You'll recall that Svenge was pretty uh, unwavering in his commitment <laughs> back when he showed up to deal with some house elves in a previous adventure. I think as uh, as the big boy uh, shows up and starts coming closer, Val's gonna just like snap the book shut and just start like backing up because she's getting ready to run again. I don't think we should run. What? You said you summoned him, right? 
Yeah, by accident. I, I don't have control over it. What did you summon it to do? Like I said, I was trying to summon protectors. There's some shit happening in the forest. A blight? That's what the nymph said. I think it's following you because it wants to protect you. And the more you run, the more it follows you because that's why it's here. It's here to protect you. She looks a little uncertain. Roll manipulate someone. <laughs> Raven. Oh, me? I feel like I'm telling the truth. <laughs> but you're trying to convince this panicked person. I am, yes. Significantly less panicked person. <laughs> Whitaker and Damien are setting up a tripwire while this is happening. We're going to trip those giant rock pants. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. You mean the Jenkos. <laughs> oh, my God. Whitaker, it's going to take more than one tripwire. We better use both of them at the same time. Oh, we're doing like, we're going back and forth. Okay, good. With the fairy lights from the camp. Oh my god. No, with like <laughs> rope, with like a cable. Oh, okay, okay. No, with the fairy lights from the camp would be so much funnier. That'd be really funny. <laughs> oh, does the uh does the truck have like a tow cable out the front? It absolutely should have a tow cable, but when Whitaker says, We need to trip it up, Damien brings the fairy lights first. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is. Like, no. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you weren't specific. <laughs> the cable. If this thing gets any closer, it's gonna walk right through our fucking camp. Uh, I rolled a seven on the manipulate someone roll because I get to use sharp instead of charm. Okay, well, the thing is almost upon you. You're gonna have to say something to prove you mean it. And also you still don't have to do what Raven is saying, Val. But you can take experience if you do. No, I think even with that, like, it's enough. She kind of just like stares at Raven for a second. What's the last thing you say to like try to really convince Val to like stick it out with you? I'm just going to look at her and say, I've seen these before. It's not going to go away until it does its job. And if you keep running, it's never going to get to do its job. And I think she's going to kind of hold her hand out and show that like she's not going to run. It's okay. Just stay here and wait. I think that gesture is enough to convince her. But I think she doesn't stay and wait because we are standing in the middle of the campsite. It'd be kind of shitty if all your stuff got trashed. Where, where are the boys setting up the tripwire? <laughs> where is that happening? Whitaker and Damien are, have run a cable from the truck, which is like one end of the campsite around a tree and then like back to create like a cable trip. And the, the troll is about to like come upon that wire. You can see like one of its long feet kind of like pulling against the cable. And hopefully we've got it positioned so that it won't fall on top of like the truck or the camp. I think she just goes, Ah, fuck it. And just runs forward, puts like a hand out in front of the troll and goes, stop. And the foot that was lifting the like cable so much that the truck was being lifted up onto its back wheels and like tree that it was wrapped around was like crunching and having its bark scraped. And the foot and settles again. And it kind of just bends at the knees and looms down at you with these big cavernous eyes. And you just hear rumbling from within it. As it's leaning over her, like like mirroring it, she's like slowly looking up at it, arching her head up. <laughs> and she kind of like looks over her shoulder at Raven and then back at the giant fucking troll and just like, she gives her an encouraging thumbs up. <laughs> On the top of the troll's head, a little rabbit face with antlers pokes up above. <laughs> and Wendy leaps off, turns into wind and leaves, and then swirls and appears back on Raven's shoulder. 
And they just kind of shrug and they're like, it's a troll. Like, <laughs> what was I going to do? No big deal. <laughs> um, I can't do anything. I can't stop a troll. <laughs> Wait, so I'm sorry. Did the troll call her druid? No, it just said in a very like long, drawn out sort of way, wrist. Okay. <laughs> she just goes, uh, no. Points at herself. Vow. And nods really slowly. <laughs> And it sort of like mimics your nod. Oh. And you hear again. Rest. And the two little white people run up to you. And the tall one goes. Lam! And like points at themselves. And then the little one. Mimi, And like points at themselves. I I don't speak Mimi. That is not helpful. <laughs> Raven's going to call out to Val. The troll told you his name. Oh, your name is Reest. Reest? R-Y-S-T-E. Reest. Reest. Okay. Reest. Hi. The, like, stones that make up its body kind of shift and rumble, but that doesn't say much more in terms of vocalizations. Uh. Come. And again, she just kind of peers at it and then looks at Raven because Raven seems to know what she's doing (laughs) and just goes, what do I do? Tell it to do something. It wants an order from you. You called it here. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Give it something simple at first. Let's see what it can do. Ideally, something that puts it like maybe a hundred feet away from my car. (laughs) <laughs> she just no, so she just like she she gets like this like stupid little smirk on her face and just looks up at Reese and just goes, Sit. Dear God. Rather than it falling back on like a little hiney or anything, like the stones that make up its legs move amongst themselves and like reposition such that the body, you know, section of this thing just sort of descends like an elevator. And so now it's sort of just <laughs> and settles on the ground and it almost looks like two like cartoon frog legs like out to the side are like bent and stacked neatly beside it. Oh, that's so cute. The two big caverns of emptiness with the like pinpricks of light that are like, you can't see, it's not like a star. It's just like, there's like a soft glow inside these caverns and the source of it is like, you're unable to find it. It just sits there quietly now and still. Well, I think Val is like half amused, half shocked that it actually worked. Mm-hmm. She just like mutters something along the lines of, I always wanted a pet, but this is not what I was expecting. What, you didn't want a pet rock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Rear and Mimu climb up the stone legs, like steps, and then they just sit on top of Reese's head and kind of kick oh. their legs like they're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me see if I've got this right. Your protectors. You're addressing the group of them, the three of them? I'm addressing I'm addressing at the three of them, yeah. Okay, yeah. They all kind of like tilt their head. <laughs> Just a rumbling of stones. Whitaker leans over to Hugo. See, this is what happens when you let magic books out into the world. You get all these newbies picking them up and they just start summoning shit and they got no idea what they're doing. Yeah, but if they don't do that, then everything gets stale. This? This is your idea of less stale? Hey, I think this rocks. 
<laughs> Whitaker, we need to make friends with this person immediately. <laughs> Look at what they can summon. <laughs> this needs to be our new best friend. Look, I admit the natural talent's there, but... Oh, God, yeah, she does need some teaching, doesn't she? <laughs> Do you know how easy things are going to be if we can summon a big pair of pants? <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time you brought someone under your wing. Aiden's going to walk past the boys as they conspire openly <laughs> in front of the Val. <laughs> so she'll like sort of poke her head like over your shoulder and be like, Hi, I'm Aiden. Hi. You know, from TV. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> from the news, the world's only celestial. Can I get your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to sit and catch us up on what's going on? Maybe we can help. Yeah, I guess. She's going to take a couple steps back from Troll and Co. And just put a hand out like she's talking to a pet dog. Stay. Just wait here. There's just a little rumble, but they don't seem to move. Right. So I gave you the short version of everything. Something about you're helping a nymph. Something about a blight. Yeah. Um. I'm still trying to figure out what that is. I was just trying to solve the problem. I wasn't trying to get this involved but if you want to help i won't say no hugo mm -hmm. investigate a mystery mm. okay that shouldn't be that bad oh no it's that bad Ooh, oh, no. oh god what happens when you fail investigate a mystery you reveal some information to the monster or whoever you're talking to and the keeper can ask questions oh okay this will be fine hugo the way i'm going to do this the word blight rings a bell for you Mostly because you've heard it talked about when Joseph Argyle, your mentor within the Whispered, was teaching you about spell components, their shelf life, how to preserve them, how to store them, and different safety guidelines when it comes to their proper disposal, should they expire, that sort of thing. A blight, Hugo, is what happens when... A magic user's ingredients are left to fester, to combine in ways they were never intended to. Often this happens when witches or druids grow old, and because they are hermits, they often die alone, and there is no one to properly care for their belongings. And as the forest reclaims their abode, oftentimes ingredients are spilled, combined and mixed by the growing of moss and trees falling down on little woodland houses, and a blight is an arcane rot, a sort of living fungus which will consume and spread its spoilage into the surrounding landscape. It's important if we ever catch word of one, to stop it and put an end to it because it can run rampant if left unchecked. Fortunately, most forests have protectors, guardians who deal with that sort of thing early on. More dangerous is when a forest is weakened and cannot protect itself. Then a blight can truly live up to its namesake and destroy an entire ecosystem. Hugo, which of your companions will the Blight target the most? Hmm. 
That's an insane question, Natalie. Thank you for it. That sure is a question. I've decided that I'm going to use these questions less as asking for information, but I'm just going to establish complications. Does Wendy count as a companion? Yes. Because if the blight is impacting and infecting corrupting magical things and forces of nature, either Wendy or technically Raven for being connected to Wendy is the most likely. Ooh, you've got a good point. Mm-hmm. It checks out. All right. Who is going to fail in a critical moment? Hmm. When was the last time that Aiden failed something? Mm. Nice. The last time Aiden failed in a critical moment, she was losing her fucking divinity, Hugo. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Bold move. So we can either have Aiden failing, and that's a love thing. We could have Whitaker failing, because that's a teamwork thing and occupational thing. We could have Damien failing, because that's a still learning to be human thing. It'll be funny. It'll be great. I can take it. Listen, everyone has the capacity to fail. I'm just asking you who is going to fail at a critical moment. Hmm. Roll a die if you gotta. <laughs> so we got this uh, this D6 here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got an Aiden for one, a Hugo for two, a Damien for three, a Raven for four, a Val for five, and a Whitaker for six. Okay. Nice, that lines up well. It's a five. Val, you're going to fail at a critical moment. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) That works so well. That's great. (laughs) Welcome to the group. (laughs) It feels too soon for this, and yet. And yet. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. You asked two questions on a success with Investigative Mystery, so those are the only two questions I'll ask. But that's what a blight is. A blight is the result of some group of magic ingredients being left to spoil and rot and what comes out of them. Essentially, a witch's refrigerator mess. (laughs) It's a witch's (laughs) multi-bread. Yep. (laughs) A blight is like a bad fungus, and the guardians are the white blood cells trying to protect the body. Ooh, Mm. sure. And the force is the body. Very insightful, Hugo. (laughs) White blood cells as pants shaped. I love it. (laughs) And I will leave it at that. It's starting to come together why Mimu and Rear were saying, we don't know where everyone else is. There should be more of us. Oh, oh God. Oh, no. Oh, dear God. They got the pants. <laughs> the fours <laughs> <forest> got pantsed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that's what you can let everyone know about a blight, Hugo. What do you guys do? Uh, we just need to take all these pants to the blight so they can kick his butt. Where's this nymph you were talking to? She's somewhere that way and just points up the trail that she had just been sprinting down. Down one of the trails and then off the trail a ways. You could find her if you really wanted to go talk to her again. Did I ever get her name? Did you get her number? (laughs) (laughs) You know her name is Sequoia. Uh, Ah, that's Mm. cute. That's real cute. Ah, Mm -hmm. Mm, I see what you did there. It's a one shot, y'all. Creative. Yeah. I pick up what you're putting down. Get off my whole ass about it. <laughs> <laughs> I need the listeners to know that Natalie did like the most gremlin-y of gremlin stances when she said that. <laughs> As if Natalie would leave that in the episode. Natalie started taking up more space to look more threatening. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess we gotta f- go find this blight. Yeah, or start with um, Sequoia and she can point us the way. 
she kind of looks over to Reese and just goes, hey. It like rotates on its body so the eyes are facing you. God, that's fucking weird. Do you know where uh, the Koya the nymph is? And they sort of nod. All right, lead the way. And she's just going to go over and climb up on Reese's back. Okay. Any, any, uh, anybody else want to? Well, once you climb on, the head like rotates back central and then begins to rise again like an elevator as the legs sort of build themselves tall again. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. Good luck. You're not coming with? Oh, no, we are. Just good luck up there. Hang on tight. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm starting to question my choices like a lot. Fine. And it rotates 180 in its body. And then like the feet sort of also rotate and it just <laughs> begins walking away in the opposite direction that it came. At least it's just walking, not running. So I already did my five kilometers today. Can someone like fly us up on top of that thing? Aiden looks at you, the only person in the group who can innately fly, and just goes, it takes effort for me to do that. (laughs) Get walking, Damien. We're just already walking. (laughs) That thing can go so much faster. (laughs) Are you really that tired? No, I'll stop complaining. Just stop skipping leg day. (laughs) You heard it here first, everybody. Don't skip leg day. (laughs) Aiden Brightwood, I never skip leg day. Every day is leg day. It's just her bench pressing a train car like Mr. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's easy enough to keep up with Reese. Like it's, you got to jog, but you're not like sprinting. They are very slow moving and just sort of methodical about how they move through the forest. Raven, your brother does like national park stuff. Mm -hmm. Would he know anything about blight cleanup? Uh, Has he ever mentioned having to clean up a blight? No, but you've never asked him. I feel like people don't really live in Glacier National Park. Well, I don't know. There could be people living in their little witchy cabins or whatever. Who knows? It's a big national park. Well, there's never been one bad enough that he's brought it up and told me about it. But there definitely could have been smaller ones. I suppose we'll figure out on the job then. Do you want to call him? Yeah, as they're as they're jogging along, she'll call him. We cut to Glacier National Park in the ranger's office where we see like an old TV with like a VCR hooked up to it is like playing some old like sitcom or whatever. And we see Lark Eugenia, Raven's older brother, in his park ranger outfit. And uh, he's sitting on the couch with his partner, Jay, who at the moment appears to be a young man about the same age as Lark. Jay is a little skinnier with very fey-like features like high cheekbones and a somewhat constant smirk because of a slight upturn to his lips. But there are also some green and gold scales that creep at the edges of Jay's face and a set of small dark antlers that poke out of ashy blonde hair with streaks of green throughout it. And notably, emerald green eyes with a vertical pupil that sparkle as the light of the TV hits them. Jarendrakir Nuatharis, or Jay, is a forest dragon. And some line on the TV goes off and the people laugh. And Jay is just like, I do not get it. <laughs> and Lark, who's, who's got his arm around, he's like, uh, so it's because last season, and then his phone rings. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and he picks it up. Hey, how's it going, Raven? Hey, uh, not an emergency, just some excitement. Uh, we went camping. 
at Yosemite. Oh, nice. That's a good park. And there's a rock troll. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. He, uh, Fresno Nightcrawlers? Or no, they would be from Fresno, right? She wouldn't say that because they're not. Like, that's what they are in our world. Yeah. You know, there's not really a name for them okay. in this world. <laughs> so fun new little critters. But there's apparently a blight in this forest that we're heading to the rock troll with someone to go take care of it. Have you ever dealt with a blight before? We see Lark sits up straight and he says, a blight's bad news. How early on is it? Like, are you, did you just find it or has it been around for a bit? We have no idea. Uh, we just met this woman in the woods, the one who summoned the troll. I guess she did it to try and combat the blight. We're on our way now. We have no idea how long it's been or how bad it is. Raven, meeting strange women in forests is no way to establish an adventure for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're one to talk. Oh my god. <laughs> How did you and Jay meet again? Uh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Called out. <laughs> anyway, any advice? Well, just be careful because... If it gets at the trees and there's spirits living in them, it'll corrupt the spirits too. Ooh. So it might not be alone when you find it. Good to know. You got your friends with you, right? Oh yeah, it's all of us. Okay, yeah, you should be fine then. Any tips? Uh, tips? Um, generally you gotta burn it. Oh. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll do our best. I'll call you back when we're done. Let you know how it goes. Maybe your friend could freeze it. Ooh. You guys got some ice powers, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll try that first. It's like mold. Anything that works on mold should work on this thing, but like magical. Okay. All right. I'll let everyone else know. Cool. All right. Be safe. Thanks. He hangs up and we'll go back to TV date night with his boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Jay is like now steepled fingers like in front of the TV. Like, <gasps> I think I understand now. It is awkward for them because they have said how they truly feel about each other out in the open. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> My sweet summer child. And Lark is just like, yeah, you're getting it, bud. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. And we cut back to the rest of you running through the woods. Yep. Raven will call that out to everybody. Watch out for corrupted spirits. Treat it like molds, but use magic against it. Probably fire, but let's try ice first. And she'll give her friends a knowing look. Val. Mm -hmm. You, atop of Reese to the troll, can see up ahead in the clearing of the trees a figure with sort of long flowing hair just sort of standing with the hand on a tree. Okay. Is that Sequoia that I met earlier or? It's getting pretty dark, but that resembles what they looked like when you met them. Okay, cool. She, she's feeling a little more confident now. She's going to try to do this slick little maneuver and like slide down Reese's back because he's made of like rock. It's like you can safely you could climb down him like a rock face yeah yeah she'll hop off and uh she'll start approaching her hey uh sequoia sequoia I, it's it's me i i brought i got some extra help and this figure turns around and you see sunken cheeks and lips pulled back past where they should sit as you see a growth of fungal structure coming out of the neck and collarbone of this nymph as it turns around uh, and just sort of hisses at you. Oh, shit. Love Last of oh. Us. 
I know. It's I'm so mad because I thought of this like completely independent. I've never played Last of Us and I'm not watching the show right now, but I was like, oh, a blight that's like a bunch of ingredients that spoiled is so good. And no, 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 I love it's it. It's topical. Keep it going. Anyway. Blight is very separate from Last of Us. Last of Us is like zombies. Well, a bunch of fungal zombies <laughs> emerge from the forest. <laughs> <laughs> What it is, is a bunch of what I'm calling mica nymphs. Ooh. mushrooms. Step out of the trees covered in mushrooms and growths. I think the only other thing I will describe is as these mica nymphs sort of jerkily walk forward, you can see beyond if you have a flashlight and everyone, you know, can pull out lights or whatever in this space. Aiden's wings light up to provide a wide flare of illumination ahead of you all. And as the shadows of the Myconims draw back amongst the trees, you see this mass, this shambling, sort of just undulating, moving mound of what looks like a combination of several mushroom species, devil's tooth and shaggy ink cap and trumpets of the dead, anemone stinkhorn fungus and oyster mushrooms. Someone got on a Wikipedia page. I went down the little fungus <laughs> rabbit hole. Very nice. We can look at them later when we look at the F chat. They're very disgusting. Thanks, I hate it. Hell yeah. I'm a <laughs> slut for ink caps. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. It almost looks like a coral reef of fungus that can move. Ooh. Or a section of like a deep ocean trench brought to a semi-ambulatory state and radiating this miasma of spores. And you don't see this yourselves, but we'll describe it later. Trailing behind it are just bits of strands and gossamer fuzz as it continues to move through and affect more and more trees around it. And that's where we'll end our session. Oh my God. Is it perhaps bioluminescent? Some of it is, sure. Yeah. Many different colors too, like bits of it that are red, bits that are purple, bits that are sort of a teal blue. Again, it's many, many different types of fungus because again, this is made from many, many different magical ingredients that went bad. Oh, it's giving kind of like annihilation vibes. Mm. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but less like crystals and more, yeah, like more fungus. But there's also something very Ghibli about it. That sort of like creepy rainbow kind of thing. Yeah, it would be pretty if it wasn't terrifying. So that's where we'll leave it. That's the blight as it moves forward with its servants, the Mycanymphs, ready to engage with you all. Holy shit. That's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs>